Welcome to the latest episode of Be Atento. I am Jesse Ulrich, CEO of Random Productions and editor of this podcast. The Be Atento podcast offers helpful tips and stories from some of today's most successful entrepreneurs and investors. It's brought to you by Atento Capital, a Tulsa-based venture fund focused on driving returns through early-stage venture investment in local economic development and job creation. Atento stands for helpful, careful, thoughtful, conscientious, and polite, as Atento Capital seeks to imbibe these characteristics to all of its shareholders. I'm going to let our hosts... Aaron and Sean introduce you to today's guest. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Be Atento podcast, where we have a phenomenal woman with us today. She is the epitome of energy. Uh, She is an influencer. She is a spark of life. She's one of those people, when she comes in a room, you know it right away. And when she leaves the room, you feel like it's empty. We are so glad to have with us today, Janine Sua. Janine, welcome to the Be Atento podcast. Thank you. What a beautiful intro. Oh, my God. <laughs> We're glad you're bringing the heat from Miami. So well, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> you got to leave some of the 305 with us while, we, while we're here. In, uh, I definitely will. Tulsa. So I just want to just kick it off with, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us what is the Janine Sua story and bring us from wherever you like to start up until today. Ooh, that's great. So I'll start today, go back and then come back. So my mission in life is to increase access to capital for Black founders. I realized about in college that not everybody, to my misunderstanding, not everybody's treated the same. Um, and so generational wealth and seeing my friends be able to, you know, go to their parents for X amount of dollars and and just kind of like have that wealth as a family was not evident to me. And I mean, granted, I didn't grow up poor. I was, my parents worked very hard. I was very well off, but I just didn't understand that factor of long-term wealth from generation to generation. And as such, I saw, again, the disparities in building startups that Black founders don't get as much access to capital as our white counterparts. And so that became my personal mission in life. And so I grew up in Orlando, Florida to Jamaican parents. I'm generation American. Boop, boop. Um, <laughs> With the patois. Studied, uh. Okay. <laughs> Studied Spanish and Portuguese at Florida State University, got my master's in applied linguistics, um, lived abroad in Brazil, traveled to about 20 different countries over my entire lifetime. And now I'm in Miami building ecosystems and building an ed tech platform that I'm hoping is going to really change the way that capital is handled, especially in the VC space and just creating opportunities for black and brown founders. Nice. I, I love it. Can you feel the energy already? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I just remember the dance moves in Tulsa. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> With duets. We were at duets. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh, my God. We had so much fun. So yeah. Fun. That was a great evening. A great evening. I really missed the energy in Tulsa. It was palpable, wasn't it? Yeah. It was, oh my God, it was infectious. It was truly infectious. For sure, for sure. So tell us a little bit about, you know, you're you're studying these things, you're traveling the world, you have this uh, very diverse background. And tell us a little bit about how you are able to dovetail what you've learned into your applied experience today. 
That's a great question. I think it started during COVID. My found, my co-founder and I of my, our previous startup, we moved here specifically to start this ecosystem, right? And we launched our incubator slash co-working space in February, 2020. And we just closed it at the end of April of this year. And so COVID taught me a lot about efficiency, but it also taught me a lot about how to look at data a little differently. And so what I was thinking this entire time was, okay, all these founders are saying that they want capital and they want to get connected to investors. Let me build relationships with investors and connect them. Boom. However, in doing that, I found that there was still a disconnect when it came to lack of knowledge and know-how. And I even asked the founders themselves, I'm like, what do you think is happening right now? And they just said, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand. And so in learning that during COVID, because everything was digital, I started to think about my own experience in linguistics and how I started to analyze and see parallels between second language acquisition and how founders found VC to be intimidating. And so in doing that, I mean, I just took what I know about making a classroom environment really fun and making it engaging so that the students are able to actually acquire the language. And I saw that to be true in my own classroom. And I'm starting to apply those same things in building these ecosystems. So in doing so, just really breaking down VC and I say make VC shit more fun, um, breaking it down in a way that's just in a voice that's familiar and authentic to the learner because once they understand then it then you can break down some of the barriers of intimidation which actually scientifically prevent learners from learning and then from there it's like then we can get to the root of the problem which is teaching the founders about venture capital that is powerful because part of the one of the main barriers uh to, to, for those founders to get the capital is the fact that they do not know the vernacular they don't know the space to be able to uh, navigate it uh, with all the terms and all of the the, uh, the the jargon of the industry. But you're taking the linguistics background and becoming a translator, not from a yeah, from a country to country standpoint, but from an industry to industry standpoint. That that's a, that's a pretty that's powerful, powerful, uh, powerful yeah application. Yeah. Sean, you want to yeah the um, so I'm I'm interested to really hear uh, you know you were in Tulsa recently. What were your expectations going into that that trip to Tulsa during Centennial Week? And then when you left, what were your thoughts and feelings about Tulsa and just the ecosystem we're trying to build here? I had no expectations, to be honest. I didn't know what to expect because I'm like, Tulsa? Like, what the hell? <laughs> I'm like, what's in Tulsa? I'm in Oklahoma City. Um, but when I left, I was like, prepared. I was like legit prepared to move and legit prepared to like, I was like, I have. There's something deeper here, and uh, and that's what kind of sparked or re-sparked my desire to like create this platform as a way to honestly help rebuild Black Wall Street. Because I'm like, there's so there's so much power in community, and that's what I saw when I went to Tulsa. And I mean, I was I was prepared to move. I was prepared to purchase a property. Like I had called my friends, and I was like, look, we need to get on this. So I know it was like that serious. So it's still, I'm still thinking about it and I'm still processing the information. But I think that if I were to build out my HQ, I would have one branch, like one leg in Tulsa and one in Miami. That's awesome. The impact was like that deep. It was that deep. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I guess a good 
you know, quick follow-up question to that is compare and contrast, like what's, what's going on in Miami and, and, and with, with Tulsa, like what's, what's the difference between the two ecosystems? Like I, Miami is on fire right now. I feel like every other week I see an article or something on Twitter about <laughs> something that's going on in Miami with the mayor, or, um, I see, I see Brian's Twitter blow up on, uh, about Miami, which is always really awesome to see, but I'd love to sort of hear like, you know, your thoughts and, and, and your feelings in comparing and contrasting the two ecosystems. So Miami, I'm not from here. I came here as a transplant three years ago, as I mentioned. Um, initially, it was very intimidating. And we started from like ground zero. So we hustled our way, like my co-founder and I, Megan, we hustled our way to build those relationships that initially, again, coming from the outside, people are very resistant. Now I would say it's very welcoming that the energy has shifted one because I built the relationships that I needed to build, but two, because there are so many people now investing in Miami in terms of the contrast or comparing it to Tulsa, the energy right now is very similar to the energy in Tulsa that I experienced last month or two months ago. Everybody's like energetic. Everybody's like, how can I help? How can I help? Whereas initially when I got here, it was like, who are you? What are you doing? Why do you want to come and invest in Miami? I'm like, dude, I'm investing money into your ecosystem. Like, what other proof do you need? I would say those are the two differences. The, the one difference I would say between Tulsa is that it's very intentional about the Black Wall Street, again, because of the history. Whereas Miami here, the, the population is predominantly Latinx. So that's where a lot of the fire is. And I'm excited to see what it's going to come in terms of my space for the black and brown founders. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. I think you guys have more water than us there. Too. <laughs> and, and palm trees. <laughs> and beaches. And beaches. I'm a beach bum. Like a, a hard, like last week I went to the beach probably five times to like pray and meditate. And that was the only thing keeping me from like moving to Tulsa right away. I'm like, I need the beach. <laughs> down. Someone write that down. Yeah, we we got to get a beach. We got to get her a beach, yeah, we'll, uh, Jesse. Please, somebody create like a man-made beach. I don't know. <laughs> you know, in terms of what you've accomplished so far and, and, and uh, well, let me, let, me, let me take a step back from that question there. Let me go into, do you want to discuss a little more about your platform or is it too early or you want to put no. a, little, a little plug in no. about your platform and explain what it does and, you know, where you are in the, in the uh, process with it? Sure. Yeah, it's never too early to talk. Um, you never know who's watching, right? So right now, I I had a friend, I had a call with a friend yesterday and he was like, you need to start raising already. And I'm like, <laughs> he's like, it's part of the story. Like you have to start raising, you have to start raising. Um, so I say all that to say I, I have an MVP for the community side. Um, there are two components to the platform and it's called Find. The whole initial goal of the platform, as I mentioned again, was to connect non-obvious founders to early stage investors. So think like Bumble, where you can do it with a swipe, but for investors in VC, which I'm still going to build out. However, again, I found that there's still that disconnect on a larger scale of building that knowledge and education. So right now I'm in the problem solving mode for knowledge and know-how, which involves a community to just because people are hitting me up all the time asking me questions and I can't answer everybody. So I'm like, hey, put your questions in here and we can talk about it. Um, so that's the first component of the ed tech platform. But then the long term goal is to build out a VR experience where 
founders or NBA, non-MBA founders can be in different scenarios and experience what it's like to like be at the table with the VC to pitch their idea and get those no's and just kind of, again, just put yourself in that environment initially so that it's not as intimidating long-term, but in the process, we're going to be breaking down some of these educational tools, very similar to what we do in accelerators and incubators, but do it in a way that's like combining in living color with like LinkedIn TV. So doing it in a way that again, is just like fun to watch. So it's all about comprehensible input. So it's giving you as much as possible, but doing it in a way that you understand. So that's the ed tech side. And then eventually, once I start to see more traction there, which we're already starting to see traction, then I can continue to build out the matchmaking side where we can do that. Right now, I'm working on doing that manually. Like I just connected a founder to a VC who's about to raise like half a mil. So that's like a, a win for me, <laughs> but I'm still in like discovery mode, right? Cause there's so many components to it, but as a founder, I don't want to do all the things too soon. I'm just focused on, you know, trying to solve an initial barrier. So I feel like I talked for a long time. Oh, no, no, it was good. That's very good. So what, what, you know, with that in, in mind and the, the amount of things that you've done over your career, and you're now getting this platform off the ground. You have uh, your degrees to back you up. Where do you see Janine in five years? I always get excited when I think about this because I can literally see it, taste it. I want to be the most highly sought after VC for black and brown founders and for women founders, female founders. Um, I want to take a different approach to VC. Again, my whole goal is to demystify it. We and I, my VCs who are listening, don't take this the wrong way, but sometimes VCs are put on a pedestal. Like we literally all have the same job. If I'm a VC, I have to go out and fundraise from very wealthy individuals or from institutions to go and invest and deploy capital into founders who are trying to fundraise. It's like this vicious cycle, right? So it's like making it more approachable so that founders actually feel like, hey, it's not a sin or it's not like beyond my reach to go and get capital that I need to actually grow my business. So that's where I see it in five years. Um, I want to be the first black female shark on Shark Tank. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which is going to happen more Cuban, you know, you can DM me, whatever. Cause you know, Sarah Blakely has been on it. Like um, Kendra Scott, like all these female investors or female founders, but like I've yet to see a black female founder be on Shark Tank. So that's something that I'm putting into the universe too. So, a sh- so Shark Tank, and you want to be a, a sought after VC, yes. uh, black VC. Okay, I like yes. it. And then give the founders the tools they need to just be successful. Awesome. Yeah. So, so some of the founders that you you're, you sort of work with now, or or you're connecting with, what's typically like your go to advice to them when when they sort of start that fundraising process? Don't sell yourself too short. This is the this is again this is the problem, and this is why I'm like this what I'm working on is like something that keeps me up at night. Right. So I see founders, I had a call with the founder and she's like, Hey, I'm going to raise this amount of money. She's, she's going to raise six fifty, And I was like, girl, how much do you really need? And she's like three mil. And I'm like, then we need to raise three mil or at least two. And so it was, it was six, six months of runway compared to 18 months. And that reinforced like, 
this whole issue of this institution of VC, right? It's like you have founders who can raise on a deck, which is amazing. They maybe have the track record. They have the network. Cool. My vision is to get black and brown founders on the same level. Like I don't, we don't want any more than you're offering people. Like we don't need a handout. We don't need charity. I'm just saying, give us the same opportunities to grow our business at the same capacity and so that we don't have to like nickel and dime ourselves. So if that if there's one piece of advice, I would say don't sell yourself short. And I'm trying to take that into myself too, because that's something that I recognize. Growing advice here in a second. <laughs> so I'm gonna need to raise like about two mil. <laughs> well, you know what I think the the person you just described, you know what I think she did? She gave a number she thought she could get versus right. what she needed. Yeah. And right. oftentimes people uh fall into that trap where they 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 only they sell themselves short they say okay i probably can get you know 500,000 well really you need 5 million so ask for what you need and right. you have not because you ask not right you have to first of all put it out there and then maybe they don't give you 5 maybe they give you 4 maybe they give you 10 you don't know what level they're willing to come in but if you don't ask for it you definitely ain't going to get it that's for sure i'm going to receive that too because i've been not just in this space too, but just in life. That's something that lately I've been like, oh, let's go, let's get it. But then there have been a couple of days where I'm like, oh, so I thank you for sharing that because I'm about to receive, I'm receiving that as you say. Go get what's yours. <laughs> go get it. The, um, I would love for if you could highlight maybe some of the investors that you, you've worked with, like, you know, which ones are, do you think are, you know, are very open to having these conversations with these first-time founders or founders who are, are just in that that first the first stages of their business and they're sort of learning how to raise money and they're still figuring things out. Like, love for you to highlight some of those those investors who do a really great job of, of working uh, with new founders. Right. So obviously, Brian and Candice Brackeen are phenomenal. They shout out to Lightship. Like they, Brian has given me his time. And not even from like a VC standpoint, just like as a human standpoint. And so I feel like that's very important when you're dealing, especially with underrepresented founders who don't feel heard, like to give your time, that's important. Um, Allie Rosenthal from Lead Out Capital is phenomenal. She and her partner, Steve, are, um, I actually have a call with them tomorrow, but Allie gave me her time as well. And she's very much so coined like the non-obvious founder identity or strategy because she believes in it. She's a non-obvious founder herself. And then I have a call tomorrow with Lee Marie Braswell. I brought something to her from Founders Fund. I brought something to her attention in terms of lack of diversity and just trying to get more of an understanding of like, how they go about managing their portfolio, how do they pick deals. And so she has given me her time tomorrow. So um, I would say those are some of the ones that I've been talking to recently. And I mean, the list is growing. Oh my gosh, last, well, two more that I have to shout out because these people, they're my dogs. Zach Silverman is an LP in Rare Breed VC, Rare Breed Ventures, which is led by Mac. And Mac is phenomenal. Mac is like, He's very down to earth and he's very much so open to having those conversations. And he was telling me about his finding his North Star. And I just saw the prototype on a weave dryer, weave hair dryer, which is like revolutionizing the game for women of color or even white women too, who get their extensions. Um, 
But I would say those are some of the VCs and some of the investors who have just been really down to earth and who have given me their time, um, not just from a founder's perspective, but also just from general relationship building. That's awesome. That's awesome. Always love to hear it, especially in a Tento portfolio fund like Lightship. Get the shout out there. Brian and Candace are amazing human beings doing amazing things. And then obviously, you know, Mac doing incredible things at at Rare Breed too is always awesome to hear. so dope, (laughs) y'all. So... So with this uh, new platform and the work that you're doing, as you start to build, uh, raise your fund, and have you thought about any ties back to the island of Jamaica and, and working on some type of um, immigrant programming that will help to cultivate founders from the island to get their ideas off or maybe Bahamas or Barbados or, you know, uh, wherever. Have you thought about that? Or Brazil. Brazil, yeah. So 100% I have. 100% I've thought of it. And that's where the vision comes into play about being like that go-to space for founders, for underrepresented founders, because the issue that this fate, like the issue of a lack of access to capital isn't just native to the US. It's native to Brazil. It's native to South America. It's native to Africa, which is an emerging market right now. The goal is to, again, disseminate information in a voice that is familiar and authentic to the learner and give them context for the unfamiliar market that they're about to encroach upon. And so that's translatable but amongst all languages, amongst all cultures. And that's essentially why I love this because it's like, it's not just a US-based thing. Like this has an opportunity to really reach founders on a global scale if executed effectively. So that's why I'm kind of like, taking the time to have the conversations before just going balls to the wall, because I do understand that it could have a global impact. So yes, 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 yes. And doing it across all languages, dialects, like, oh, it's exciting. Nice. Now you told us what keeps you up at night. Tell us what gives you rest, what gives you pause and what, what impassions you. What gives me rest is knowing that or learn, and I just learned this too, if I don't take care of myself, then I can't take care of the people that I'm serving. And that's a, it's a hard lesson to learn. Like even I just moved into my new apartment on Tuesday and I was getting stressed because I'm like, I have to work. I have to do these emails. And I was like, take a second. Like I manifested being in here in Brickell like two years ago, I wrote it down and I was like, by November of 2021, I'm going to be in my new apartment and I'm here. It took me a while. It really did. But that's what gives me the motivation to keep going is that like if I can literally set my mind to something and then do it in less than, you know, a year and a half, imagine what I could do with three years, five years. And what really impassions me and what's my why, it's twofold. One, it's to be able to take care of the people who have invested in me, like my mom, my dad, my sister, my cousin, my uncles, like they have invested not only financially, but emotionally, spiritually into me. And I want to take care of them that they're like, they're my why I want to have my dad be able to sail around the world. He's an entrepreneur too. Like dad, here's, you know, a meal, go, go sail, like go do whatever you want to do because he worked hard to give me this opportunity. And that's what I mean. And then, of course, my passion is just seeing people win. Like there's 
Like I cry sometimes just to see somebody like get what they worked so hard for because it's not easy. There's there's no reason why there's only one percent of the people who like actually get what they want. It's because they bust their ass to get it. So I hope I answered all three questions. One of the questions I always like asking is, you know, if you could give yourself one piece of advice, you know, when you first sort of started your entrepreneurial career, what what would that piece of advice be? Don't sell yourself short. There we go. There we go. That's it. That's it. I was going to say keep going, but I'm I'm never going to stop. But it's the selling yourself short. Like self-doubt is real. And so I'm actively working toward it too. Just, you know, putting in the work mentally to not sell myself short so that I can then, again, be the person who I was destined to be to be able to go and pour into the founders too. So that's what I would say. Don't sell yourself short. I love that. Don't sell yourself short, Jay. <laughs> Hold up a mirror. Here's a, here is a, uh, a constructive a constructive uh, question here. You know, you, you talked about how much you loved Tulsa when you were here and you had a great experience and you even shared it with friends and whatnot. What, what, are, what are one or two things that you thought was missing when you yeah. were here? And, and not to, this isn't a downer. Like I said, this is more constructive. Minus the beaches thing. Yeah. Minus the beaches. We're yeah. working on that. <laughs> we're, we're working on that. <laughs> That's a difficult question because I came from a very inflated energy inflated lens, right? I um, I don't know how to answer that because I don't have enough knowledge about the ecosystem as it is currently or as it was before in relation to as it is currently. Um, instead of- Quality of life. Like maybe you want you wanted to get a, a, a pop and you couldn't get one near your hotel or maybe just oh, experientially. Yeah. What- There's no grocery store that's walkable downtown. Because I literally needed to go to the pharmacy or something. And there, the closest one, I think, was like um, maybe 0.7 miles away, which is fine. But it was it was closed because it was a holiday weekend. So constructively, I would say either a local grocer needs to open or some type of pharmacy or a corporate one. I don't know what would be more beneficial to the local ecosystem, but something overall, the community is walkable, but no grocery store or pharmacy something for me to just go to the market really quick, really quick. I was going to say quick and fast, but it's so quack. Um, <laughs> or even like, I know some people had mentioned about Ubers. Uh, they couldn't really get around. Now, most of the things you went to probably was prescribed. So it mm-hmm. was either walkable or there was a ride taking you. But uh, that's one of the things we hear often is about Uber or just you know, transportation. Okay, good, good. I had no trouble getting an Uber or Lyft or anything. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So obviously outside of Aaron and myself, who was the most interesting person that you met during Centennial Week? Oh my gosh. I met two. Well, I met everybody's really interesting. Oof. I have to name three because I all I love them all. Well, four, four, four. Okay. So Randy, of course, because like that's just he became like he came to Miami. Ryan brought the crew to Miami. And Randy and I and another friend, we went to a cigar bar and we were just chopping it up. And he's become a really good friend and resource. And we've been, you know, talking and I've been sending people his way who are VCs who are potentially going to not. I mean, they didn't plan on investing in Tulsa, but they're thinking about it now. Yeah. Randy, I would say Amanda, her energy is infectious. I love her. She's like, we click like that. Ashley and Iomi. So those, and of course, Aaron, I met so many great people. I can't just name one. That's why I knew five. Being at the dinner 
at the art museum. Oh, it was crazy. At the, at the Philbrook that one evening was, it was amazing. Yeah. I mean, it was, it, beautiful. It was beautiful. And just like getting to meet, getting the opportunity to meet so many incredible, incredibly smart and talented people who were all, all there, you know, coming to Tulsa and, and learning about everything that had happened, you know, to, you know, with the Tulsa race massacre and then, you know, everything we're trying to do. And, and the ecosystem yeah. was, was incredible. I mean, it was just, the energy was amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. It was. And what you guys are building is like really important. Like even just from a, from a capital side, from a program side, like the work is important and I didn't even know about it. Right. And this is like, it's really important work that you guys are doing, but really impactful long-term toward my personal mission of building generational wealth, because it's like, you're getting to rebuild something that was like taken away from people. And that's what I just think is like, so dope. It's like the work is so intentional there and all the, all your partners, like it's just very intentional. So I commend you guys and thank you for even like thinking of me to share my story on your podcast. Absolutely. 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 Uh, that's about all I have. That's all I have too. Yeah. Wait, I'm going to ask you guys a couple questions. Oh, there we go. (laughs) There we go. Wait, okay. So one, what is your perception outside looking in of the Miami ecosystem? And what is one constructive thing that you would offer to us here? Now I told y'all were y'all were in for a treat. Now you see us, she flipped the whole interview (laughs) back on us. Okay. You know, I, I, I think it's really, it's just been really exciting to see, like, you know, there's this, there's just a ton of energy behind like Miami's ecosystem. And, um, I think a lot of that has been driven by a lot of folks who are, you know, leaving San Francisco and, um, these other bigger cities and sort of taking advantage of the warm weather and, and, you know, obviously not having to pay state income tax is really nice too. Uh, (laughs) it's, I think one of the things that's been really cool for me to see is like, just how like hands-on the mayor has been. And not only just that, but like, how like how hands-on you know other key stakeholders in that ecosystem have been when it comes to like just trying to get people there to come just to visit and then you know then, then they convert them to longtime residents like seeing brian on twitter like pounding the pavement trying to get people to come to miami has been really awesome and he's doing it now for tulsa which is great but then like you know i think it's um it's been really it's been really really cool to see and it's i love the fact that now I mean, now more than ever, like you don't need to be in Silicon Valley to, to create a successful mm-hmm. business, a su- successful technology business. Um, and like seeing Miami, like get all these really talented people there. And, and you know, I think five, 10 years down the road, that's going to do amazing things for the, for the city. And so that's just been really, really cool to see. If I had to say like, I guess like one thing, the, like, I think, I think what we're doing in Tulsa is like a little bit more intentional, especially when it comes to things like supporting underestimated and underrepresented founders. And it seems like we have a lot more alignment across a lot of our organizations here than we do in Miami. Like, I feel like I see like the founders fund guys doing like their own thing and, you know, they're kind of button heads with another group of people and, you know, there's some friction there. And, and, you know, obviously like the founder fund guys are, they're driven by one or two things. And, you know, I, I think when it comes to like supporting underestimated, underrepresented founders, it might not even really cross their mind or it's not, it's sort of in the back of their head. It's not at the forefront of what they're, what they're doing, you know, right. here in Tulsa, like a lot of the organizations here, it's at the forefront of what we're doing. Like it's quite literally built into a Tento's foundation, which yeah. is amazing. And so I guess that's my one, one contraction between like Tulsa and, and, and Miami's ecosystem. Mm-hmm. But, um, 
would definitely want to get down there sometime soon. I, I hear Brian's Brian's Miami tour is legendary, so I'd love to go check it that is. out at some point. It is. <laughs> Walks with Brian. Wear wear walking shoes. No, that's I feel like your your everything that you said is very accurate. And that's one of the things, and Aaron, I'm gonna I'm not gonna talk too long because I want you to go. Um, but that's one of the things that really I think was so I'm gonna use this word. I don't know why it just came to my mind, like divine about Tulsa is that everybody, whether like whether there's friction or whatever, everybody's for the same mission. And that's something that's invaluable. It's in because then you can be effective, especially in your relationships. Like, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and, sure. and if any founder, founder funds guys hear this, I'm not trying to, trying to bash your fund or anything. No, you're, no. you're obviously very legendary and, and you're incredible at what you do. And, and I love, love learning about all the things that you guys do, but, uh, but yeah, that's my, that's my thing. <laughs> I have not spent much time in Miami to, to speak in depthly about their ecosystem. What I would say is that it's a place where people can work, people can play, and people can live and live their most most expressive life in Miami um, while building a business. And I that's something that I do appreciate about it. Uh, you figure they have all the sports teams so you can go to a game, you can go to the beach, you can go to a concert, you can go, like they have all of the variety of what most of the country has to offer, but they have beaches and they have, you know, it's like, it's like the added layer. So, I mean, they really have a lot going well for them. If And so what I would say is, I, I think that the, the ecosystem there is strong. Like Sean says, I'm hearing about it all the time and I'm not the most VC in tuned person. Sean reads up articles and stuff like he, he's, he's in it. Uh, I'm in it as well, but not nearly to the same degree. And so I'm even getting information about Miami and what the, the activity that's going on there. And I'm excited. I need to come down there and, and, and come on. Cubano food and, you know, go to the beach and whatnot. Uh, so, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. If there's one thing I love about Miami, it's and especially as a Jamaican, being able to get authentic food, coffee, like there's this place that I go to like 10 minutes walking distance. It used to be my favorite spot even before I moved here. And it's like abuelos like making eggs in the kitchen. It's just so rich and oh when you guys come, I'll take you. We'll take my we'll do my walk, my version of Brian's walk. And that's exactly what I mean. Outside of New York, Miami's probably the only place that you get authentically all cultures in their natural form. Like, natural. It, like you know, you have Brazilians there who like do what Brazilians do with good food and good. You get all of their culture and all of their expression. And Miami kind of celebrates it all. I think that that's powerful. You get the Haitian community, the Jamaican community, Middle Eastern communities, and, and whatnot. So, I, I'm 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 a fan of Miami. I really am. I I just haven't been there enough to really speak in depthly about their uh, their ecosystem to to juxtapose it to Tulsa's. Well, that just means you guys have to come visit. Yeah, we're gonna come Absolutely. down. Absolutely, we'll be down there. Don't Absolutely, worry. we're gonna. We'll, we'll, I think we have a direct flight now. Yeah, we do. We I have, know. Wendy told me bring the Tulsa energy. Come on. <laughs> now we're gonna get on Brian's yacht, uh, uh, Brian and Candace's yacht, Brian and we'll. 
Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll sell around the down the yeah. uh the, what was it? What's it called? Key West. Key West. Yeah. yeah all those other. Places. We'll bring back some sand to Tulsa. Yeah. Get that. Get that beach going. Yeah, we'll get your beach going. <laughs> Absolutely. But this has been most wonderful. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your just being you. You you really left an indelible mark with all of us here in Tulsa. And we're excited for what is to come. Absolutely. Let us know how we can help you moving forward. All right. Thanks, guys, for having me. I appreciate you. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the Be Atento podcast. You can find this podcast anywhere podcasts can be found. And make sure to subscribe and to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to follow Atento Capital across all social media platforms. And we look forward to speaking with you all again on the next episode of Be Atento. Thank you.